Welcome back to Shootside. I'm your host, Ferris Simon. It's good to be back, and thank you guys for tuning back in. We got a great episode today with a guest that I'm very excited for you guys to listen to. But before we get into that, I'd like to thank our partners at Showbloom for being the title sponsor of Shootside. And you've trusted Showbloom for over 30 years in your show barn, so why not trust them to feed all of your livestock? Emmert's line of livestock products include Improve MX and Improve 28, both designed to be fed 365 days a year in your feed rations. Contact your Showbloom representative to learn more. Or visit www.emmert.com or www.showbloom.com to learn how Emmert can be part of your feeding program. Like I said before, Showbloom is a great product. Yes, they're a sponsor here, but it's been something I've been using for the last 15, 16, 17 years, and it's something that we've had great success with, including feeding it to my dog, Penny, as you guys have heard multiple times before. Back to today's episode, we have another just true legend of the business that has agreed to come on and chat with us, and that gentleman is Mr. Kirk Steerwalt from Leedy, Oklahoma. Kirk and his family operate Steerwalt Cattle and Clinics, which they established in 1987. Their cow herd concentrates on raising club calves and heifers, but they also have some Herefords, Maine, Charlays, and Simmentals, and I think they had uh, maybe Reserve Maine at Kansas City this year with a heifer that... Uh, they sold to the Kazi family out here in California, if I'm not mistaken. So they do raise some really nice seed stock in addition to high quality show steers. Most people and a lot of people know Kirk from his clinics. I went to a clinic back when I was a kid and a lot of people I know uh, went to a clinic. And if you've ever been to a Steerwalt clinic, you'll understand that it's one of those weekends or one of those times where a lot of things come together. And, and as a 15 year old kid that really didn't know what was going on, I can point back to that weekend that I went to that clinic and said, that's when things started to make sense for me in terms of presenting. And Kirk is known countrywide, really probably continent-wide, if not worldwide, for being an expert in cattle grooming and cattle presentation. And like I said, if you've ever watched a clinic or one of the presentations he's done, if you've ever picked up a can of Weaver, that's his face on the can of uh, Weaver glues and paints and things like that. He's a humble guy. He's someone that's had so much influence on this business that it's exciting to have him on. So without further ado, let's go shoot side with Mr. Kurt Steerwall. Well, Kirk, welcome to the program. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you, Ferris. I've uh, been looking forward to it. And like I said, I'm anxious to, to you know visit with you. And, and, and like I said, uh, I've been looking forward to it. So. Awesome. I mentioned it in Bob's podcast. Before we started, we were actually talking about that episode. I don't ask this question very often. So give us a little bit about your backstory. You've had a number of years and really a lifetime within this industry. Can you give the listeners a little bit of backstory on how you got started and and kind of bring us to present day? Be glad to. Like I said, appreciate the opportunity to to be able to to do this today. So I'm from Iowa, Southern Iowa, Sheraton, Iowa is where I grew up. And I mean, kind of the odd thing right off the bat in showing livestock, you know, most, I mean, like if you go to the county fair back, you know, then I'm just saying it was all ag kids, farm kids. There was no town kids showing. I mean, that was unheard of. Well, guess what? I grew up in town. I didn't grow up on a farm, but my granddad raised her for cattle and uh, registered her for cattle. And that's kind of uh, you know what? I just took a love for it and that whole um, farm ag life. 
you know, and I'm going to say, you know, I clipped my first calf when I was six years old. And I mean, I pretty well butchered the heck out of it. I mean, it was probably a, uh, more of a de-herring, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I mean, I had a old brown sheep head, and I didn't know what I was doing, and I didn't know nothing. So, but anyway, my granddad was, is the one that got me in this, and you know, I just took a hold to it. I mean, I just loved it. I mean, and so that's all I wanted to do. But my mom and dad were really supportive of it. You know, I mean, uh, it was something that I had support of my mom and dad. You know, they, but me and my granddad is the one that probably had the bond. You know, I mean, it was special times for me and him. Uh, he's the one that kind of got me sc- going, encouraged me and all that. And then, you know, he wasn't a young guy either at that time. So it was like, at that point, you know, that's why he always encouraged me to do it. So, I mean, I had that kind of, and, and of course we didn't have very good calves. I mean, I'm just saying as, you know, compared to what, you know, they have today, I mean, but it was a project and it was something that I enjoyed. And, and so, you know, I rocked along there. And, and you know, I, I do think in today's time, back then that was unheard of growing up in town. I think present time, I think there's a sector of people that either they showed and got off in some other business and then they come back to it, or it's somebody that has a, an acreage or a, and they've seen this program and, and, and you know what, fell in love with it and they want to raise their kids up. So you know, we actually see a little bit of that more often today, probably, but back then. But, but anyway, but I grew up through 4-H. Of course, I, I wasn't in FFA, but, you know, I, I, I rocked along there. And, you know, I clipped my own calves. I mean, I, I did it from the get-go. I mean, my granddad, of course, the clipping wasn't, you know, it wasn't as high-tech as it is now by any means. I mean, we were talking about primitive stuff. I mean, seriously, Ferris. I mean, I didn't have a stock trailer. You know what I mean? I didn't have a trailer. We had a stock racks. I don't know if anybody you knows, but it's like this cage that you put in the back of this truck. You know, and that's what you hauled your calf to the show with. Well, man, if you drove down through town now with that on and a calf in the back of it, they'd think the, you know, the circus was in town. But anyway, but, you know, we, I, I learned with a sheep head and actually an old brown, you know, sheep head, you know, nine tooth, you know, I mean, pretty primitive stuff, but that's all there was. And then, uh, you know, we didn't have uh, glue. I mean, it was leg wax or leg uh, glycerin bar, you know, saddle soap. And I mean, uh, you know, oil. I mean, the re- you know, a lot of these kids like talk about rag oil. The only reason it was called rag oil is because there was no oil in an aerosol can. So you had to put it on them with a rag, you know, I mean, that's really where it became that. And there was no shoots. I mean, before I graduated, I finally, I think about two years before I graduated, maybe three, I finally got a, a blower and I finally ended up with a shoot and the shoot was homemade. We had, we'd, we'd seen one somewhere and we kind of, copied it what best we could and that's where we made their shoot so i'm just saying so you know there have been a lot of i mean a lot of things roll that's you know a lot different than what you know it used to be you know what i mean but but those are good i mean you know i mean i I, i'm at the age i'm just saying is you know that i've seen all that and you know it's pretty awesome to see that i've seen that whole thing happen you know i mean so anyway but i you know i i saw my granddad you know he uh he encouraged me and, you know, I trimmed our own feet. I mean, I clipped, I mean, you know, he helped me. And I mean, you know, I'm just saying, you know, we didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. We just kind of took, I, but I had a lot of try in me, you know, so I just rolled along there. And anyway, it's kind of funny, you know, people in my, you know, I'd clip my own calves and then, you know, what somebody in my County would be like, Hey, when you get unclipping your calves, would you mind kind of coming over and helping me with my calves? And, and so I was like, yeah, you bet. That'd be, you know, because I was all about, you know, and I'm going to say this. I'm going to say, I mean, my dad, 
was a very artistic man. I mean, like he could, he always drew our Christmas cards. You know, he could whittle wood, you know what I mean? Where he'd make a cowboy or make some kind of figure out of it. I mean, he, you know, and, and I was really good at art. I mean, with, um, you know, the good Lord above and, and to me, him, um, you know what, I was very artistic, just like him. I mean, my, I had a chance to pursue art. I mean, I took art and co- I mean, in high school and all that. And I had a, a chance to do that, you know, on a scholarship and in a college and all that. But yeah, I really just, it wasn't my passion. It wasn't what I loved, but I do think it, that was helpful in, in, in the grooming part. But anyway, people in my county kind of asked me if I could help them. And I mean, clipping was fun for me. I mean, it it was, it was easy. I don't want to say easy, but it was like, I mean, I was just eager, you know what I mean? Like I love the challenge and I don't know, you know, it's like, then like somebody in the next County got to being like, Hey, when you get down to your County fair, would you maybe come over and help us on our, well, I think, man, I'm getting out of the County. I'm getting like, yeah, this is getting, you know, this is getting good for me, you know, here. And then somebody across the state would say, and, you know, I don't even, you know, at that point, you know, I wasn't even able to drive, you know, I mean, I, I was like 15, some of my own member of folks that they had to come get me or something like that. Eventually, of course I got, you know, where I could drive to them. But anyway, but so, I mean, I ended up, you know, doing that. I groomed all my own cattle and then I just, I kept clipping cattle and then people started asking me to do stuff. And I mean, I can remember in college, I charged $35 to clip a calf. And I mean, I didn't care what it looked like. I mean, but I, you know, I mean, I, I needed the money. I mean, I needed the, but I learned a lot, you know, when I did that, because I learned so much on, you know, good hair, bad hair, broke calves, unbroke calves, everything. I mean, just I learned so much on different situations, you know, curly hair, straight hair, you know, like fine hair, thick hair, you know, I just uh, red cattle, black cattle, white cattle, you know. So, I mean, I learned a pile through all that. But anyway, just a couple experiences here. I'm not sure if you if I can tell a couple stories here, but I, I have a couple things that's probably molded me at a young age. You know, I mean, I was fortunate enough to, you know, win our county fair a couple times, you know, and, and my brother won it once, but state level and national level and all that stuff. Shoot. I mean, I won my class and stuff like that, but I mean, nothing like my kids won a lot, you know what I mean? I mean, as far as that, and I mean, I never was anything like that as me as a kid showing, you know, so, but Anyway, but as time rocked along there, and this was probably now I'm probably oh getting close to senior somewhere in there. There was a couple guys down there in Southern Iowa. Was, I mean, I can I can name them my name. Uh, they're not living anymore, but it was Massman and X Line. And back then, feeder pins were big. I mean, like really big. Like that was something that was pretty prestigious to to go to these Denver, or Kansas City, or Louisville. And I'd never been to Louisville. I wanted to go to Louisville bad that I couldn't hardly stand it, you know? And so, but anyway, one day, Laverne Massman called me and said, Hey, I want you to, I want you to come help us. I mean, he goes, you're pretty handy with those clippers. I want you to come help us at, at Louisville. And I was, and I was like, man, that's awesome. I, I want to go to Louisville, you know? So anyway, so man, I told everybody in the, in the County, I was going to Louisville, you know, to North American. And, and um, I know, you know, Bob talked about Chicago and all that. I never did get there. That was a little bit before, I mean, I think that thing quit. My granddad went, but I never did go to Chicago. But anyway, about two days later, Laverne called me and said, hey, uh, I didn't know, but, you know, his partner had hired somebody else. And anyway, they didn't need me. And I was like, oh, man. So I was like, I was all bummed out. So anyway, so, and I mean, they had two pins, like, and and the talk in that Southern Iowa there was they was going to go get Grand Reserve. I mean, that was like, 
I mean, because that's kind of they that that was the level they they sought. I mean, that that's that's where those guys were good in the time in the day. Well, anyway, so a couple of days rocked along there, and an old boy over there in Albia, east of me, called me and said, "Hey, um, I'd like to take a feeder pin to Louisville. You'd be interested in coming." clipping on them and all that. I'm like, oh, heck yeah. I was like, man, thank you, Lord. I mean, this is like, it's all going to work out. You know what I mean? I said, yeah. I go, you mind if I come over there and look at them? Well, anyway, so I went over there to look at them. I drove into this guy's place. He had a house, and there was a trailer out in the front lawn with a set of panels around it, and there was kind of an old barn there. But anyway, so I walked up to the door, and I said, I didn't, I didn't know this guy very good. But anyway, I said, hey, where's the I was going to look at them calves. He goes, sure. And he goes, he goes out the trailer and beats on the side of the trailer. And all them calves jumped out. I mean, man, they weren't broke. They weren't. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, they're just, <laughs> all good. you know I mean? I'm like, I'm like, holy cow. That's the, that's the feeling. He goes, that's it. He goes, I go, man, have you had a halter on them? He goes, no, I figured we'd do that on the way down. I was like, okay, all right, I guess so. So anyway, so <laughs> anyway, I when we're going, you know, and so he told me when to go. So I got over there and, and man, away we went to, to Louisville. Well, we get down there and unload them. And of course, man, you know, I look over there at Master Neckline, the guy's supposed to help. Man, they got all theirs clipped and, you know, they're leading them around. They're washing, you know, we ain't even got a halter on ours yet. You know what I mean? We look, I mean, we ain't even had a bath. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's tough, you know? So we, we have to back up there and load them in the pen. So I'm ready to get started thinking, you know, it's me and this guy. We're going to start picking away at him. Well, then about the next day, he, I mean, that, that next, we unloaded him and went to the motel. That next morning, he got a phone call or whatever. And anyway, he, he told me, he said, Hey, I, I got, I got some bad news here, but he goes, I, he goes, I got to go home. I got some stuff I got to tend to at home. And I'm going to have to, I mean, if you don't, I'm going to have to leave you here with the calves and just do what you can. I was like, Holy cow. So he goes back home. He flies back home. So he leaves me there with those calves all by myself. Well, anyway. I was like in Broadband. I don't know if you've been to Louisville, but it's over there in Broadband Arena. And every time I go in there, I think all this. But anyway, and I mean, it got time to, I mean, we didn't even have a halter on my. In fact, it was so bad, Ferris, that everybody led them over there to the, I don't know, over there, kind of like where the beef office is. You have to lead them out of that Broadband. And, and then back then, there was a set of scales over there you weighed them on. Well, I couldn't, there was no way I was by myself. It was the most embarrassing thing I've ever did is I had to load them calves up, back the trailer in there, load the calves up, drive around Broadbent, back into the the open barn, and then unload them to where we could drive them and then load them and weigh them so I could just get them entered. So anyway, we got them entered. I got them entered, and then I drove back around, loaded them back up, drove around Broadbent, and unloaded them. Well, so that, I didn't clip nothing, you know, so I started putting halters on them. Those guys over there with the mass neck, Alan Pearson was a guy that, he said, hey, if you need something, get on the wash rack. My gosh, just let me know. Anyway, so I he'd help me over on the wash rack. I'd wash one, and then I'd uh, bring it out there and dry it. And, of course, things acting terrible, you know, and trying to break it and dry it. And I mean, it's so, so bad. But anyway, so I'm doing one at a time, you know, washing them, drying them, clipping them, washing them. And then, then I'm, then I'm, then I'm going to go over them, you know what I mean, doing all this. And I am keep picking away out there. Well, it gets to be the night before the show, and, and everybody's saying, you know, those guys are going to, you know, get grand and reserve. Well, anyway, so I said, Hey, I got a deal for you. I go. And so those guys are getting up at two in the clock in the morning to, to wash their, their 12 calves, you know, cause you got pen of five and then two alternates. So that's 12. But anyway, and I got six, I said, if I get up and help y'all wash yours, your 12, would you, would one of you guys help me like wash my, 
five or six, whatever. And Alan said, yeah, we'll do that. So I got up in the middle of the night with them and helped them get theirs ready. And then they helped. Then Alan helped me get mine. Well, anyway, I fed them. Well, about then, that time that guy shows up and walks in the barn and show morning. You know what I mean? I mean, I ain't seen him. You know, he that's when he showed back up. Well, anyway, to make a long story short, we showed them. And anyway, that feeder pin got reserved grand. I split those two. You know what I mean? I split the the ones that they thought were going to get grand and reserve. And I, and after that, Laverne Massman, right after he came over there and he goes, what are you doing next year? He goes, you're going to help us next year. I go, okay, that sounds good to me. <laughs> so anyway, but it was a good win for me. That was an experience that kind of just molded me a little bit. I mean, um, the other one I got that probably uh, in that time, I had a guy call me and uh, he said, hey, I, I, I bought a steer out. He actually bought it out of feeder pen in Louisville, but it come from, a guy in Southern Iowa, and that guy gave me my name. Said, "Call this kid. He's he's kind of handy with the Clippers or whatever." And I, you know, I'd never been to Denver, and so I'd really never been out of any. I mean, I'd never been to anywhere. Actually, this was actually before the Louisville thing, so I'm kind of jumping ahead on the timeline. This would be my first national show I'd ever been to. It was it was Denver, and so make a long story short, that guy said, "I've got some keybulls," and I was in college then, so. I've got some key bulls I'd like for you to clip and I'll give you a hundred ahead. And I was like, man, I've never been to Denver, you know, man, a hundred ahead. That's that, you know, you we're lucky if we got a hundred a day, you know? So I was like, man, that's 500 bucks. Well, anyway, so then he said, you know, I'll take your expenses and I'll get you out here. So I'd never flown. So I'd never been to Denver. I'd never flown. So now I was getting to go to Denver. I was going to make 500 bucks. I was going to get to fly and man, I was all pumped up. Well, I still didn't get to fly because he bought me a train ticket. So I got on the train in Osceola, Iowa, and I rode the train out to to Denver, and, and then or out, well, actually out to Brush, Colorado is where he picked me up at. Well, anyway, he told me, I've got this steer. If I think you do a good enough job on the them key bulls, he goes, I might want to have you do my daughter's steer. I said, that's fine. And anyway, so he must have thought I did okay because he said, I'd like for you to stick around. And he goes, I'd like to give you – $300, I mean, because you're going to have to stick around for three days, clip it, and, and fit it. I said, that's fine. And then he popped off and said, heck, if you can get that thing to win, I'll even give you 10% on top of all that. And I was like, man, steer must not be worth a crap. Nobody does that, you know? So anyway, I'm just a, I mean, like a freshman kid in college. So anyway, I clipped them bulls and I got on that steer. And anyway, the steer won. It was a Colorado girl and that steer bought 30000 or whatever. And that was a good payday for me, you know? But that wasn't it. I mean, I, the money part, I don't even want anybody to think anything about because that wasn't it. Because really what I was after, I mean, I mean, I was just, I was a nobody out there. I mean, you know what I mean? Everybody was like, who is that kid? You know what I mean? But anyway, you know, it got me another job, got me another, you know, that same year I ended up, that steer helped me. Phil Lautner had sold some a steer. Phil and Wayne Lautner had Phil, uh, sold a steer to some people in Iowa. And his name was JR. That's when they'll... Dallas show was on the big that was a lot show then but anyway that steer I mean they raised it but anyway that steer won three state fairs which was kind of unusual then because you know they used to have these world steer shows at these state fairs and stuff and I'm talking about anybody could come to it you know with these steers it was like a I mean it was like a no rules anything goes world steer shows and but anyway that steer won the iowa state world steer show the nebraska world state steer show and then he also won the dallas state fair i guess he'd be the only steer that i know won three state fairs but getting back to that denver deal you know that was a good that's kind of one that 
got me started. I mean, I'm just talking about just some recognition, you know, to where got me another job. I mean, uh, Ferris, I mean, at that time, I'm just clipping cattle and, and, and trying to make some money. You know I mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't easy times, you know, for me. I mean, from there, I mean, just my timeline, I, I keep going, I would just do this real fast, but you know, I went from there and, and I got a call uh, from Hartman's. I was in college and Hartman, uh, Mike Hartman keys or whatever. And he wanted me to come out there and run their show barn. And so I went out there for a year and did that, which I learned a lot from those guys. I mean, um, uh, with that, but then they were dispersing and getting in the saliers. Well, then I'd had a, probably, I, I was more, my, my heart's always been in that junior deal. And you know what I mean? I just love the junior program. It's just always been something that's been dear to me. I mean, whether it's a clinics or shows or whatever, I just like that junior program. But anyway, Tyrone Hollinger, I mean, and, and anyway, that's kind of how I end up in Oklahoma. Uh, Jimmy Harrell uh, called me and his daughter had two years and he wanted to know if I'd want to come down there and, and kind of help finish them out. And you know, they're going to try to, you know, do some stuff and, and try to raise the bar. So I kind of, that's where I end up down, down in Oklahoma and, you know, when I got down here, I fell in love with the ag programs. I'm talking about FFA, the school farms. I just thought it was awesome that these shows and these places had places for kids that didn't have a place to keep their animals. You could keep it at the school farm. You know what I mean? Uh, you couldn't go to the show. The ag teacher would use the school truck and trailer and take those kids to the show. I mean, I just thought that was the coolest thing and still do. I still think it it is awesome. Yeah, still do it today. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they go and, and, and stall by school through the FFA program. You know, it's like it's just the coolest thing to me. I, I end up getting done there and I uh, went down and worked in Brownwood, Texas for a uh, for a year. I mean, at that point, uh, um, that guy was a, he, he's a, had a family and he's kind of wanting to he'd kind of caught wind of me or whatever. So I went to Brownwood, Texas and worked for Dr. Dr. Wise uh, and his family for a year. And then um, then. I'd met Julie while I was down uh, working uh, in Oklahoma, my wife. And then, so at that time, I, I was kind of ready to not necessarily work for anybody. I was wanting to kind of try it on my own, you know what I mean? So I um, ended up back in Leedy, Oklahoma, you know, where, where she was from and her family. And that's, that's, my gosh, that's where we are. So that's kind of, that's kind of my story. So anyway, I mean, that's a, that's probably a long version, but <laughs> it's a short version if you would. <laughs> well, I have a question for you. Yeah. You're very well known now as being one of the legends in terms of presentation and, and whether that makes you blush or not, I'm sorry, but you're you're very well known for your presentation ability throughout the country. Obviously, you do a lot of clinics, you do stuff with Weaver, which we can get into later. But you mentioned that the first time you clipped a calf, you were six years old. And it was more of like a de-herring situation. And then over time, you got better. And over time, people started wanting you to help them on their calves. Like, can you give us a little insight on like how long that took you until you started gaining recognition for being proficient at your skill and what that looks like? Because I think sometimes we want some sort of instant gratification, say, I, I want to go and I want to do it right now and do it well. I think the thing that would be the difference there too is no social media. You know, I mean, we can instantaneously see a cool looking leg or a good calf, you know, I mean, worldwide. I mean, you literally go out here and take a photo 
and send it on. You know what I mean? And there was none of that. It was all word of mouth. You know what I mean? And so you know, the thing is, is back in those days, when I was hired to, to fit an animal, I mean, it was usually, it would be me only in that family. There was not, you know, a lot of times, you, you know, today you'll see a whole group on a calf. You know what I mean? I'm just saying definitely more than a couple a lot of times, you know. So that was quite a bit different for me on that. You know, I, I was doing my own and I was probably 16 before, you know, anybody really wanted to actually give me something to do something for them from a clipping. But I mean, we're talking just very much local level. You know what I mean? I mean, like I said, I mean, but I'm going to say this when I was, and I kept this rec. I mean, I kept log of that because when I became like a, a freshman in college, I mean, I, I suppose it, it took me there. I was in that college deal, but I was like, I mean, like I said, man, if anything had hair in a heartbeat, I was ready to clip it. I mean, I just was all over that. But I actually kept, I mean, somewhere there in the, when I was 20 to 25, I kept track in one year. And I mean, I don't want to take this as bragging because I mean, but it, I, mean, I just want people to know how hard I fought it. But I, I fit 113 grams in reserves in one year. So what you're saying in a way is it takes time. And what I think you're saying is it takes a lot of reps like a lot of repetition. Practice makes perfect in a way. Yeah, and you learn from your mistakes. I mean, you know what? I mean, I, and I really wasn't trying to be, I mean, what I'm saying is, is I, don't, I guess my goal at that time was it really wasn't, I wasn't really wanting people to know who I was. More important, I just wanted this thing to look as good. My competition was myself, if that makes any sense. I mean, you know what I mean? I was like, mm-hmm. I just, I was competing against myself, trying to make something look as good as I could. I mean, it had nothing to do with, I, you know, I wasn't out there to make a name or, or be recognized or whatever. I, you know, I really, I was doing it to try to get another job, but it was almost a personal, personal challenge for me to take this block of hair and make it into what I thought it should look like. And people ask me, I mean, it, it's a God-given talent, I mean, to me, but there's tools today that have simplified this to me a lot better. And, you know, we can talk about that later. But when I look at a, like an, an animal, I mean, Ferris, when you look at an animal that's never been clipped, what do you see? What do you see? Do you see anything? Kirk, I was supposed to be putting you on the spot on this podcast, not the <laughs> other way around. But normally when I see one that's unclipped, I generally see the potential like I try to identify the good and then I try to see where maybe we could fix some things but normally it's a lot of hair and what do you see when I look at a calf that's really I see this clipped image that comes into my head when I look at this calf I I, I see this kind of what I think it's going to look like as crazy as that may sound but but the issue is now I got to try to make it look like that Sometimes it does, sometimes it don't. You know what I mean? It's like, but I actually have this kind of, I don't know. I mean, I can't explain it, but I i, I see what I think it's going to look like. Now, have you always had that vision, like even when you first started, just like that, that image of what it's going to look like? I probably didn't realize that until, because I mean, man, I didn't know anything about clippers, blades, I'm doing these clinics, you know, people want to learn, I, mean, I want to learn how to clip, Well, you know, we got to get you clipping and breathing first. You know what I mean? I mean, you got to learn how to hold these things. You know what I mean? It's like, it's all a kind of a process, you know? And so I don't know where that is, but 
I'm just saying, I, I'd say it was later on that I started like, yeah, I just kind of started getting this kind of idea what I actually thought this thing could look like, you know? And I think, I think, I think other people should do that too. You know what I mean? You kind of figure in the highs and the lows and, and you know, how good fronted is it, you know, but, but you know what? Some of them calves, like I said, they'll surprise you, you know, and some of them will disappoint you in a clipping. You know what I mean? And you know how that is. I mean, yeah, especially when I'm doing the clipping, it's always disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> I, will have to I, I just love clipping cattle. I mean, I'm clipping cattle today uh, with my own son and, and you know what? I still enjoy it. I mean, it's just something that, and then in teaching it, I mean, it's just like, I, I just like, I just have a love and a passion for it so deep. It's never gotten boring to me because each calf is their own challenge. They're all made different and they're all their own individual. And then you got to try to, it's really almost like you look past the good in one sense, but you're trying to fix the bad. I don't know if you're fixing it. I think what you're trying to do is blend it in. You know what I mean? You're trying to, trying to blend it. I think the thing of on clipping, if I could give anybody advice, you know, I think clipping's relatively easy, believe it or not. But I think blending is the hard part. And that's actually what's going to make your clip job look awesome. I mean, if you can blend, you can you can clip. When you say that, do you mean blend like the lengths of hair or like the high spots with the low spots? Give us a little more detail of what exactly you mean there, because I feel like that's something important. Yeah, I'm saying all of that. I mean, like, I think all that. I mean, whether you're back dragging, you know, you're turning that blade over with the medium blending and you're able to feather, back drag, you know, rake, whatever you want to call that. And then actually freehand going from long to shorter. But I'm just saying is, is being able to blend that where there's no obvious lines or you can distinctly tell. I think one of the best clip jobs that you can do is when almost when you can't really tell how long that hair is. You know, I've had people come up you know, stick their finger in them, you know what I mean? Trying to figure out how long it is, you know, that's a compliment, you know what I mean? To me, I mean, because like I said, I think blending is a, a key component of clipping. It wasn't on our list of topics, but that brings me to something I, we talk about out here when we're presenting calves and I, and I, you know, and there's a lot of listeners out there that listen to this podcast that are trying to improve their skills. And I think at some level, all of us are constantly trying to improve our skills. You're constantly working and thinking about different things I know and and same here, but I'm of the opinion that when you're presenting a calf, whether you're clipping, whether you're fitting, like what you're saying, it all should go together and maybe you shouldn't do anything presentation wise. It should distract the evaluator or distract whether it's the way you're building that leg, the way you clip them, like it all should flow together. Is that kind of what you're saying in a nutshell? Exactly. I think you have to study your animal, but, but here's the deal. Nobody wants a fake calf. I'm just telling you whether you're selling it or a judge is judging it or whatever. I mean, there's a natural look to one. You know what I mean? That looks real. You know what I mean? And so granted, it's these things looking, uh, you know, big legged and all this kind of stuff. But I mean, when they're fit right, they still go together. You know what I mean? And I think, well, the thing that you have to figure out on that fit and I mean, try not to get into a single trait. And I'm, that's one thing, like when I'm judging shows, I'm not a single trait guy. I'm a package guy. And I think that probably comes from the clipping because the bigger you make the legs, you know, the more thickness you got to have if it's on a steer, so to speak. You know what I mean? Because it doesn't balance out and it's not proportional. You know, if you get the tail too big, you know, you ball it up and it's huge. Well, 
it you know it makes them don't don't look you know they don't look as wide or thick from the back. You know what I mean because you you know your your tail's too big. You know what I mean it's like dew claws that aren't ground down. The bigger the dew claw, the smaller the bone looks. You know what I mean. So you know, I'm just saying all this stuff, whether it's in your management or in your grooming, it has to be proportional and to me balanced. And, you know it has to fit, so to speak. I don't know how that makes sense what I'm saying here, but I'm just saying to me, some hair, I mean, really, I mean, we talk about clipping hair and then, you know, I know there's slick shearing and that's, that's different, but you know, in, in clipping cattle, whether you're growing it or whether they got it, you have to clip that off to make that into one animal. You've you got to put the pieces together to where they're a package, I guess. So you mentioned earlier, you brought up the clinics and, most of us are familiar that you do a large number of clinics a year and have been doing them for some time. I think the first time I ever met you was at a clinic when I was like 15 or 16 at, at John Teixeira's down there on the coast. I remember you. This ain't no joke. I remember you. It was over there in that hog barn there at Santa Maria. I guarantee you I remember that. I remember it. Well, oh man, I, I tell you what, that I'm a I just love the clinics. I've been doing them for 33 years. Started in 1987. And, you know, of course, the first ones, be funny, you know, the first ones, the first year I had a clinic, it was in Leedy. And, and the deal was, we actually had a place in town. <laughs> it was actually a city block in Leedy, and we rented it. Me and Julie just got married, and, and it, had, it was a city block, but it, it was nothing on it. And so I actually made some hot wire pins and fences, and, and there was a three-horse stall barn there. And and we made a wash rack out there in the grass, and my gosh, that's where we—that's where we cut our teeth on that place. You know, what I mean, it was, it, and we rented it. Well, I wanted to do a clinic. This was a year after we got married, so we got married in '86. So '87, the deal was, I got to thinking I'd like to do it up there at the Ag Barn. Well, it was a, to be honest with you, it was just not a nice. I mean, it was just junked up. I mean, you know, what I mean, it needed cleaned up. And so I went and talked to the principal. I said, hey, if if me and Julie would clean that egg barn up, would you let us hold a, a clinic or two in there? And so he said, by gosh, yeah. He goes, I'm, that place needs cleaned up. So, man, more me and Julie tore into that place, and, and we were just filthy. But anyway, that's where, yeah, we went. Yeah, I mean, like five or so six people would come, you know, that first year. I don't know. I think we did. I can't even remember. We did three maybe. And, they, you know, five or six people, they lived in our you – know, they came and stayed in our house. And we didn't have any kids. We just had a dog or two. and. That was about it. But anyway, and that's kind of how we got going. And I remember that year, Dustin Dorsey came. Oh, yeah. How about it? Went to the first one? Yes, one of the first ones. Absolutely. Yeah, and he won Kansas City with a Herbert steer that fall. And boy, I was like, man, that's awesome. And I'm not taking credit for that, but I just thought, man, that's awesome. You know what I mean? I just, I was, I was so happy for him. And then, you know, we just kind of went on from there and end up moving out to where we are now and kind of kind of started building some barns and stuff. And, you know, we did them here for 18 years. People would come here. We'd do four in June, three in July. And then we worked up to, you know, we went from like four, five, six, you know, for a couple, two or three years. Then we actually got up to like 10. And then we ended up actually building a bunkhouse and a place that we could house people because people would come here and stay. And and then, you know, we got where we could handle 20 people, you know. Uh, And the girls stayed in the house with us. Anyway, and so... It's the funniest thing because when my kids were little and we got all these people here for the clinic and man, those were some good years. I mean, like I met so many, I mean, 
it was just we did them all here. There was none of that going away. You know, what I mean, it was they were all done here. And I mean, back then, if, if the kids had a t-ball game or some some kind of thing that I needed to kind of go to, I just gather up the whole dad gun clinic and and we would go to the kids' t-ball game and then come back home. I mean, you know, what I mean, that was the only way I could go to it if I took them all with me. So anyway, we all yeah, it was something. Man. Anyway, but we had oh yeah, I mean, it was fun. We hired you know, gal here in town that helped us with, you know, just the food. And like I said, we fed them and they stayed here and in the whole deal, you know, and I mean, it was something. It was a special year for us. Kirk, what was your motivation for starting these clinics? Because there's a lot of educational outlets out there now. I mean, this, I like to think that this podcast is one of them. And, you know, there's a lot of different people doing that stuff now, but you were kind of the first one, if my uh, understanding is correct. Why did you start doing it? I'm still like that. I mean, it's just like so many people or didn't know what the how to do it or, or wanting to do it, but they didn't know what to, you know, even get down to equipment or what to buy or, or whatever. And I mean, I'm just, you know, just people just were searching for a way that they could figure out how to do it. And, you know, really there was at that time, there was no nowhere to go to have hands-on, you know, I'm talking about hands-on learn, you know what I mean? And so that was the deal, but it was just, I mean, I tell you what, it's the people in this business, Ferris, I'm just saying in this industry, that's the drive there. You know what I mean? Just people helping people. I mean, trying to, I mean, that's really what you're doing. You know what I mean? You know, now to me, I, you know, they call them clinics and seminars on that i i kind of look at them as update i can run around the country updating people on what's you know what's out what's working what's you know it, it's really you're just kind of updating the people you know and so stuff comes out or techniques change or new something you know it, it's a constant if you're in this you guys know, one thing about it like years ago i you know i I worked for Hartman's and, you know, we worked for one show, Louisville, and we, I never went anywhere. And up until that point, I was running all over the country and I was up to speed on everything. And even back then, I'm talking about back, back then, you know, what I couldn't how much had changed in a year, you know, and then I was like, oh my gosh, I don't even know anything about all that. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I of course, you know what I mean? Like I said, it was no social media. The only way you learned that stuff was word of mouth or, or you know, maybe see it at the show, you know? So now we don't do any here you know, um, on the road, you know, so I, mean, I just, I love the clinics and, and to me, they're, they're dear to my heart, but it's the people that make all that worthy. You know what I mean? It's, it's the love of the people. I mean, because you're talking about people that we're all together. Everybody's under the same umbrella. You know what I mean? We're all, we all have the passion for the same thing, you know? So that's pretty cool. So in a way you're saying that your passion and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but your passion for the junior livestock program and your love for this business in a lot of ways has driven your business ventures and what you like to do. I'm blessed. You know what? I don't go to work. I, I love my work. I love what I do. I love what I, and it ain't, it ain't what I love to do. What I, it's, it's, I love what I get to do. You know what I mean? It, it's a privilege. It's a, it's a blessing. It's an honor. I get to see stuff that just, is awesome. I mean, just a couple things here. You know, I had a kid once that had zero talent, zero. I mean, like none. And that kid probably came probably to seven clinics. I mean, and, and that kid for two years, I was like, you know, I don't know. You know, I don't know. You know what I mean? I just, I just don't know if, 
you know, hope they get it. You know what I mean? And you know what? Today that kid's a professional groomer and a, and a good one and really good. And that's what I'm saying is I've seen where somebody has so much try that they can't be denied. You know what I mean? That's something to see and it's something to witness. And the other thing I've seen is a kid that has a God-given talent and they don't even know they got it. You know, they don't even know it. I'm sitting there like, you know, that's scary what you just done. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that's like awesome looking. You know what I mean? And they're like, this is the first time I've ever did this. You know, does this look okay? And I'm like, yeah. I mean, like, you know, and I'm just talking about that right there, seeing that, and they don't even know. Now, some kids will carry it on and some kids won't now. But I mean, I think that's in anything. You know, it's anything in, in life. But I mean, I get to see that. And I mean, that is... And I mean, you know what? And, you know, granted with the stuff we have now, you know, it's a lot more obtainable. You know, things are more user friendly. And and to me, technology has been good for the industry. But still, when you get to see that, it's I mean, I'm telling you what, it's it's touching. It really is. Building on a point you just made, and and it's I think it's a self-conscious thing that that some of the young people have out there that maybe don't have the natural hand talent and don't maybe uh, their first swipe is a little shaky, is what you're saying that if persistence is key and you can be really good in this game, even if you don't have that God-given artistic talent or steadiness or whatever. Right. Because I think the tools are better, but I'm just telling you, you don't let anybody say that you can or can't do anything because if you put your heart to it, I guarantee you it can happen. And I'm going to say, a lot of times it's indirect, Ferris. I mean, like, you know, daily care. I think daily care does a lot of different things. I think daily care, not only does it tie you into that calf direct, but on the grooming side, you recognize the faults and the pluses in that calf. You know what I mean? You you recognize over time. I mean, I think if you're rinsing, blowing, and, and working on that calf, I think you, you figure out what you'd like to do. You know what I mean? You would like, if you could make this calf better, in some areas or whatever, I'm just saying is I think you figure that out. You know what I mean? I think when you're looking at daily care, I think it improves that competitive spirit in a kid. Uh, I think it improves showmanship. I think when they come in the ring, they've got some skin in the game. I've been, you know what I mean? I've been in the barn. I've got time in on this calf. This thing's special. So I actually think daily care improves showmanship. You know what I mean? I think when you're doing that daily care, I think showmanship improves. When you haven't been doing daily care, I say it's not as good as it can be. You know I mean, I'm just, that's just me. The other thing is, on like I said, on that grooming part, I think daily care. Nobody knows that calf better than you. And I'm just saying is, and if you can apply grooming to that, to me, you're dangerous then. You know what I mean? Because you know that calf. People grooming cattle that don't judge them. I mean, that's the thing about grooming cattle. I mean, say clipping. I mean, you have to judge them along the way. You know what I mean? If you want this calf to be longer necked, well, you're going to probably have to take the hair down shorter on the neck trying to make it appear longer neck. I mean, if you want that calf to be deeper body, well, you're going to have to leave the hair on the belly to, to try to give it some added depth. These are all, you know, if you're trying to extend body length, well, maybe you're going to keep more tail head on the back of your tail, trying to create more body length. You know, it's you're leaving the hair in the valleys and taking it off the hills. I mean, it's all about being proportional and balanced. And to me, once you know that and you judge your calf and you get it figured out, I mean, then I, I know you I, you're, like I said, you're, you're way, I mean, you're way better. I mean, you I mean, that's, that's, that's an advantage for you. 
I think it all comes together. Speaking of daily care and daily routine, I think it feels like sometimes we overlook how important daily hair care is to how well you can groom them on show day. Can you touch on that a little bit? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I tell you what, you know, I'm a grooming guy. You know, grooming's been great to me. I love grooming cattle. But my heart is set on daily care, nutrition, and management because that's all has to happen before you actually turn them clippers on. Can't win with a skinny calf and a nice haircut. Ain't going to happen. Those cattle need to know their job. I mean, to be honest with you, when you're judging cattle, there's a lot of kids leading cattle in the ring. The kid knows what they're supposed to do, but the problem is they're leading a calf that maybe doesn't know what it's supposed to do, you know, doesn't know its job. You know, you can't, you know, okay, three weeks before county fair, we're going to get the calf up and we're all going to get, you know, in the mode now and get all dialed in here because our county fair is a month away or whatever. I mean, to me, it's not the big amount. I mean, to me personally, it's not the big amount that you do right before the show. It's a little bit that you do consistently along the way. And I mean, I'm just saying daily care is everything to me because it teaches their calf their, their job, so to speak. You've got to have the hair and the hide looking right, you know, on, on your grooming. I mean, your feeding and your, you know, condition. If you're doing daily care, you're going to notice them fat pones on them heifers or that brisket. Yeah. You know what I mean, you're going to notice that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean you're going to notice that, you know, uh, where if you're just going out there, I mean, these things, to be honest with you, are pretty darn easy to put off. They are easy to go out there and dump feed out. They've got hay. They've got water. There's your feed and turn away and walk out of the pen and not do anything. I mean, to me, that's the problem. They're pretty easy to put off. But I, I don't think you, the daily care, that where that dials into me personally, I don't, it's hard to be competitive when you're working on them when everybody else is working on them. To me, where you're going to jerk the slack out of the rope is you got to work on them when you got to try to get some days in on them. You know what I mean? They're a, to me, these cattle are a time game. You know what I mean? It's all, you can take anything you want to do. I don't care if it's sports or, I mean, you know what? The ones that get good at it end up putting the extra time in it. It doesn't matter what you're doing. I, I don't care what it is. And I'm going to say that's one thing I love about cattle and their hair. That hair on cattle, to me, it either brags on you or it tails on you. Yeah, that is the truth. When you got a calf that, you know, they've had a good home and they've been doing their their job. And I'm just saying this, and, you know, they've managed that calf. I mean, management, and I'll, I'll quit talking here. I don't even know how long we went here. But anyway, but because I just get wound up on this because, I mean, it, it's one of the things that it just does. I mean, you can tell that calf had... Man, and management to me is huge. I mean, it's huge. Management is a is a is is the biggest under. I don't want to say uh, it, it, you know what you don't win no awards for being for being a good manager, but man, it shows up on those cattle. You know what I mean? It does. It just shows up on them, and it's just one of the things that that daily care stuff is important to me. I mean, very well. Just to echo what you said. You can go to those shows, and I think it shows up a lot at state fairs where you can tell which kids have been out there in the barn. You can tell which one's been brushing on their calf. You can tell which ones have built that relationship in the bond with their calf and are very familiar with their animal, whether it's showmanship, the way they interact with them back at the stalls, the presentation. You can tell, and you can tell by when they place the emotion and the reaction of that junior 
on how much they worked with that calf or didn't? Well, I'm, I'm going to say a couple of things here just because on that, because it's one of them things that, and talking about that right there, you know, my kids, when they were showing and, you know, maybe they didn't do very good, you know, uh, maybe they, it was a disappointment, you know I mean? Things just didn't go, and we, you know, we put the time in on them and all that. And I'm going to be honest, I'm going to tell you, you know, they probably won't like me saying this, but, you know, there were some tears shed back at the, at the show box, you know, and all that. And you know what? I never got on my kids being disappointed. You know what? I, I've seen different people be like, you know, dried up, like I toughen up and all that. Because here, to be honest with you, I mean, I don't want, you know, I, granted, there's a humble way of doing that. You know what I mean? I think in this showing, you got to win humbly and lose graciously. I think that's the key or the goal. But I'm just saying, but it also told me that my kids cared. You know what I mean? It, like, I'd have been a whole lot more disappointed if they'd said, well, that didn't work. You know what I mean? Now what are we going to do, Dad? You know what I mean? So, and you know what? Those kids get over it and be back to being kids within an hour and away we go. You know what I mean? And so that's the thing I admire about these kids because they'll come out of the ring. Things ain't good. They're all disappointed. But I can tell you what, you give most of them kids an hour, they're all hanging around together and they're all back to being kids. That's the beauty of it to me. And I'm going to say this first on that grooming part on the daily care i don't want anybody to be like okay rules and all this kind of stuff but you know if you broke your leg or broke your arm or whatever whatever the case was and you had to hire somebody to clip your calf i mean you could probably go hire somebody to get that done you probably could and if the rules allowed in same scenario whatever the case sick broken leg right and you, you had to hire somebody to fit your calf you could probably get that done too but it's going to be dead gum hard for you to hire somebody to go out there and feed that calf, rinse that calf, wash that calf, set it up, and do all that stuff that really, really, really matters to me before you turn on the clippers. Like I said, all that's got to get in place. When you get all that management and that daily care and that nutrition in line, man, that makes your clip job and your grooming job look its best. Couldn't agree with you more. So, I mean, I'm a big daily care guy. I just love it. Let's switch gears for a moment. Kirk, and you're one of the few, if not only guys that has a multitude of very prestigious relationships with companies. Maybe you could even call them endorsements, if you will. And I feel like, or it seems that you've used your reputation within this business to kind of foster those relationships. Can you give us some insight on how those came about? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny that you ask that because you would think that all that would be like, yeah, it's going to be funny because to be honest with you, yeah, I'm going to just kind of go through these here. But like, to be honest with you on how I got hooked up with Andis, I actually started with Oster, but Charlie Swain was with the company for 40 years and he, he came down and wanted some help with me in Denver and he wanted me wanted me to help him on some sheep heads and stuff blades and different stuff like that i said yeah i'll help you and anyway so i worked with charlie and that guy charlie swain out of iowa i'm just telling you i mean he taught me more about clippers and blades and the way they are made and, and all that i learned i mean he's still living he's a good friend of mine and i just i learned so much from that guy way way things rock along there and then there was a changing of the guard at oster and, and anyway uh, they came in there and they hired a new guy we came in there and cleaned house we they kept me and another gal. Well, anyway, a lot of them guys that were there went to Andis. Well, then time rocked along there, and then Matt Andis and, and, and the guys that were at Oster came to my house one day and said, hey, we'd 
we'd like to get you to come over to Andes. And so, I, I, you know, I mean, I, I was working with that team, and then I lost that team. They went, to, you know, what I mean. But I'm saying is, if there wouldn't have been Oster, I'd never sent, been to Andes. I've been with Andes ever since. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm good friends with, you know, the Andes family. You know, what I mean, it's like I've been there for 15 years. You know what I mean? And I'm just saying, yeah, it's like who could thought that one out? You know, like I said on the Prina side, it's funny to me. I've been with Prina for, uh, I got to think about this, uh, 18 years now. I'm going to tell you if you, I got, I'll tell the story, but. I rocked along there and, and I wasn't working for Prina, but, but at that time they want, they called me up, they caught wind of me or something, but they wanted me to come to a, a demonstration down at uh, Fort Worth at the, at the stockyards. Well, so, and, and the bad thing is amongst all this, it was two weeks, the date was ended up being two weeks after nine 11. And I was, and they said, Hey, we want to come down here. We're going to pay you. You bring an animal, you bring, you you know you bring a shoot. I mean, we didn't going to supply nothing other than a place to have it. So I went down there, and it was two weeks after nine eleven. Well, there was nobody there, and, and they were thought about calling it off, but they said no, we're going to go on with this. So I went down there, and, and I didn't know if we were in a building. I didn't know if we we're in a coliseum. I didn't know if we we're in, you know what we're in. Well, they ended up putting my shoot out there on the sidewalk. I mean, if you ever been to Fort Worth Stockyards, it's right out there, kind of in front of that hotel motel there. I mean, right underneath the blue sky. I mean, there was no nothing. I mean, just and I was like, man, this ain't nothing. I thought, well, anyway, there was nobody there. This event was a wreck. Well, anyway, so I got my, you know, I got my shoot set up there on the sidewalk underneath the blue sky. And, and uh, so I was killing time. So I meandered around. There was a petting zoo and a and cattle working shoot. But anyway, for some crazy reason, I ended up in the Perina rabbit booth because they had a whole bunch of rabbits. I mean, like I was like, I must have been bored to death. Right. But anyway, so I ended up over there and, and I got to talk to this guy back there. He had a checkerboard on his shirt and, and me and him talked about sports. We talked about 9-11. We talked about how bad that event was going to be and blah, blah, blah. Well, anyway, they announced my name, Kirk Steerwalt, going to do a category demonstration for Oster Clippers and Freena Mills at the time. So I went and got my heifer put her in the shoot and get all my stuff laid out there. And I kind of got, got an hour. I'm going to do 30 minutes on clipping and maybe 30 minutes on grooming, you know. And so this would have been in 2001. But anyway – so I wait around there and wait around there and wait around there. Well, nobody shows up. I don't have one set of eyeballs. And I, I usually ask this at the clinics, you know, what these kids would do. And, and you know, it's funny to me because some of them will say do it. Some of them say go announce it. Some of them say wait. You know, some of them say leave. I, mean, I did a clinic uh, the other day. I mean, I say a couple months ago. And I mean, I bet 90% of the group said they leave. Well, anyway, I had to stay. So I, I didn't finally get paid. So I, I, I did the hardest thing I ever did in my life. I had to start a clinic nobody stand there and i mean it was the most embarrassing thing i'm like talking to nobody out there and every now and somebody would would walk by and they'd look at me like who's he talking to you know what i mean and i just kept <laughs> I just like i gotta get through this well anyway actually a father and son came and here's the bad thing is what made it even worse is i knew him so now i have witnesses to a wreck you know i couldn't be just like well, yeah, it was okay but anyway so yeah now i got witnesses so Anyway, but I did it just for those two people. When I get done, I'm picking up my stuff. And like I said, me and the rabbit guy really hit it off. Well, and I, I'm picking up my clippers and I'm just wanting to go home. I'm, you know, I'm just like, I'm just sick because I actually thought this might develop into something. And, and this guy walks up behind me and says, well, how'd it go? And I look up, well, it's a rabbit guy. And I was like, man, it's terrible. I said, nobody. He goes, yeah, I know I watched you. I go, you did? He goes, yeah, you got, you got a lot of try in you. He goes, you end up with two. I go, yeah, yeah, I had two. And anyway, so we talked about it. And 
he goes, like, is this your first like demonstration? I go, yeah, it's be the first, definitely, definitely one of the first, you know, few that I've ever did away from home. Because if you ever did anything like this, I go, oh man, uh, I mean, we're doing clinics at my house. I mean, we have people come there, you know. And he goes, really? And I go, he goes, so you think education important? I was like, man, I think education's huge. Just nobody's took time to do it. And uh, anyway. He just says, man, that's that's interesting. I'm sitting there trying to figure out why does the rabbit guy even care, right? But anyway, but to make a long story short, I mean, he has me a business card. He goes, you know what? I might call you. And he had me his business card. He wasn't the rabbit guy at all. He was the national sales manager of the whole company. And he just happened to be in the rabbit booth. And it just, so I'm just saying is, is I tell all these people, I mean, my advice to them, and you get, you're going to have to do some stuff in your journey that you ain't going to like, and it's, you're going to get, get out of your comfort zone. And I was out of my comfort zone. I wasn't happy. I just thought it was terrible, but you know, I, I think that's all the part that gets you where you got, you got to go through some of that stuff to get where you want to be. And and so, I mean, my advice to the youth out there is, is don't go home. You know what I mean? If I would have went home, it'd have been the biggest mistake I'd have made in my life. I promise you. So don't go home. Sometimes you just got to get through it. So, you know, I've been with them 18 years and we talked, you know, Weaver, you know, we, they, it was a phone call. They, uh, Lisa Shear called me and wanted me to help them with the show halter. Come, why don't you come to Weaver and, and help us design a, a show halter? And I went up there and, and you know what, the, you know, the relationship was from then on. And so whether it's a Cimarron trailer, I sat by a guy in the airplane coming from the show chow VIP in the airplane. He's like, hey, would you help us, you know, design trailers? And I was like, yeah, who are you with? He told me Cimarron, you know what I mean? And so I had to just be sitting by him in an airplane. I think, you know, we can get look, locked down on our cell phones. And thank God, you know, they weren't like then. But I'm just saying is every now and then maybe look up because that person might be standing beside you. You know what <laughs> I mean? So, I mean, all these companies that I work with, whether it's Andis or Prina or Weaver or, you know, Cimarron or, or, you know, even Little Buster Toys, I mean, uh, Multi-Men, whatever, you know, I know, I mean, it, it's a relationship. It's, I, you know, I'm not into that. Just like, what are you going to do for me and all that? I'm into the, you know what, I mean, it's kind of a partnership and a relationship. And I mean, seriously, I have like my Weaver family, my Andes family, my Perina family. You know I mean? I mean, you end up developing relationships with the people within there. And, and that's what makes it. Yesterday, like a guy I report to at Andes, you know, he just called me yesterday. I mean, he lives in Florida and just want to know, hey, how you get along and just checking on you. You know what I mean? And just hope you and your family are doing fine and tell everybody hi. You know what I mean? I'm just saying you know, stuff like that. That's what I'm after. I mean, I don't care if it's corporate or if it's a small business or whatever. It's the relationship with people. To me, that's what makes it special. Not to get on a soapbox here. I just say, but that for me, that's what it is. So I think that kind of answers a question I had for you, which is over your lifetime of experience and all the success you've had in this business. And I think I know the answer to this, but it sounds like the process and the relationships you have built have done more for you to get you where you are than the actual outcomes of specific scenarios. Absolutely. And I'm going to tell you this, like I said, I've got you talk about full circle and I'm going to say this. So I'm, I'm going to go back. So I was a kid. Okay. I was uh, in, in college. Just bear with me on this story because this is what I'm talking about. But anyway, full circle. So I always wanted to go to a working ranch. I got the opportunity and this would be Dean Elder, Keith Dusenberry. They'd went out and always clipped 
calves at the ranch at for Rock and Jay out there in Valentine, Nebraska. And man, I've never been to a working ranch. And I mean, it was something that I just had something I wanted to see. So I got the opportunity. They said, Dean asked me, he says, Kurt, you want to ride out there with me? He goes, there's 125 head of calves to break. He will break them one week, clip them the next week, sale, and they need some extra help. I said, awesome. I couldn't wait. So man, I got all my clipper blades sharpened and me and Dean went out there and Man, we broke calves. And, you know, we had 125 tied up out in the ranch. I mean, like Keith Dusenberry and his wife, Candy, you know what? We would get up at 530. But, I mean, Candy was like the ranch perfect mom lady. I mean, she did your laundry. They cooked. She cooked for all the crew. And they actually, believe it or not, had a couple milk cows that they milked and actually had a separator and separate. You know, I'm talking about the whole deal. And everything is on horseback and all this. I was just like in awe out there you know and anyway got time to clip the calves and dean come down through there he was like kirk he goes we just got done breaking we're fixing to start clipping he said hey uh, keith doesn't really know you i told him you're good at clipping but he just i don't know he's kind of got second thoughts here and he really doesn't want you to clip wow man i was about half you know i mean i was heartbroken i was like man i want to clip on these things so bad you know and, and dean says i know you can clip i just he he's just not feeling it right now he said, but you could wash. So I said, that's fine. So I washed calves. So I mean, I said, that's fine, Dean. I said, I, I don't care. I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. I just, I'll just, I, I don't want to go home. So I washed calves and I got, you know, and I mean, I helped them milk the cow and I hate the calves and I did all that stuff. And those guys over there, there was two, you know, Keith and, and Dean were clipping. And I was like, man, they were, I kept looking over there one that man, I wish I could go over there. I mean, I want to just one to clip over there so bad I couldn't really stand up. I just kept doing my job, you know. Anyway, about the last day, they got behind, and the truck was coming to haul cattle, and Dean come down there and said, hey, he goes, there's a couple calves up here. If you want to clip them, there's a couple up here you can do. I was like, oh, man. So, man, I was done washing. I went and got my clippers, and, and man, I was shot up there, and I clipped them two calves. Well, anyway, both of them ended up in the top 15 high sellers. They were Charlays at the time, Charlay Smoky calves. Those calves weren't much then. But there was a guy in Indiana that, that that's what he was looking for, and he bought them both. And, I mean, well, anyway, after the sale, Keith come up, and he goes, man, I didn't realize you. I mean, pretty handy with them clippers. He goes, uh, can you come back next year? I said, yeah. He goes, I promise you I won't have you wash. I'll, I'll, you'll get the clip next year. I said, perfect. <laughs> so, anyway, I went out there. So I went there for two or three years, right? Then I, this thing got where I couldn't go. Well, anyway, and Keith and Candy were just just per, awesome people. And Jerry Adamson and his whole family just – it was just an awesome experience. Well, time passed along there, and Keith ended up passing away. I mean, at a young age, I mean, uh, way early. And Candy, I lost track of her, and and I just, uh, I just, I never, I just kind of got out of sight. Well, so I'm judging Exarbin. I'm going to carry this on up to this year. Well, last fall, last fall. So I'm judging Exarbin, and man, it's an awesome show. I mean, there's 14 states that come there, and I mean, it's tough, tough steer show, tough heifer show, tough prospect show. I'm judging. I get to judge it all. I mean, I mean, I'm just in heaven because all these good cattle and whatnot. And I mean, there's a heifer that comes in there. It's just man, I just like. I mean, when I seen her, she's a maintainer, and she ended up winning supreme. You know, and I mean, like, I mean, I picked her, and I just loved that heifer. And she was out of Iowa, I guess. And I get to the backdrop, and. And I'm sitting there waiting for everybody to show up. You know how it is, the backdrop scene. And, and I'm kind of just kind of off to the side there while they're prepping for the picture. And older lady comes up to me and and she just passed me on the back and she said, Judge, you did a good job. And I go, well, thank you. 
appreciate it. She goes, you don't know who I am, do you? And I go, I'm sorry, ma'am. I don't know who you are. And she goes, I'm Candy Dusenberry. She goes, you just picked my granddaughter to win this show. And I go, no joke. Well, that was the wife of Keith Dusenberry. See, I said, man, I went from the wash rack to the judge. I'm like the hero today, right? But anyway, <laughs> she's like, anyway, so, I mean, I'm talking about that was a 40 year full circle. You know what I mean? And I'm just saying is you don't know how long that goes, you know? Like I said, not to get too deep here, but you know, I mean, I just I, I, that that hit home with me. I was something pretty cool. I thought so. That's real cool. Anyway, yeah. So I mean, there, that's what I'm saying, man. That, that's what I love about this industry. I mean, there's just so much and so long, and so many people helping people, and you know, I mean, relationships, and just the whole generation to generation. You know, I mean, gosh, it's just awesome. What would you say you're most proud of? I mean, you've done so much, you've accomplished so much. What would be the top three or four things that you're most proud of that you've accomplished in this business? First and foremost, my family. I mean, like that would, I I could not function without that foundation. You know what I mean? I'm talking about family. That's the core. Here's the reason for that. I mean, man, we have two kids, me and Julie, but you know, I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for the two kids that we have. And my kids grew up in this in this industry and they're not perfect kids, but you know what? They're pretty they're okay. You know what I mean? And I but but I'm just saying is I owe it to to showing and exhibiting and being, you know, connected to livestock. I mean, it's like Bobby, you know, we raised our kids using livestock, you know what I mean? And so it's it's awesome. I mean, what does that instill in a kid? Like I said, I, I think it ha- teaches them how to deal with success. But yet it also teaches them how to deal with disappointment. And I mean, I think that's good down the road for everybody, you know. With that being said, you know, my family's had to cover while I've been gone and doing what I do, you know. And if I didn't have that family to fill in the gap, so to speak, on some of that stuff, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. I mean, so, I mean, my, I mean you put up number one spot, <laughs> it'd be huge for family. So I think anybody that has that they've got the world. So secondly, I've enjoyed being able to work for goals with my kids, you know what I mean? Like in showing, you know, I mean, you know, some, been some pretty cool things happen, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I couldn't have done that without my family. I mean, you know, a couple of things experience, you know, Kai won all three majors, you know, dear show. He's the first one to do that. You know, that wasn't the goal. It just, you know what? It just happened. You know what I mean? If we, it just did, you know, Kyra winning the lamb show and Kai winning the steer show at Denver the same day. Those are a couple of experiences with my family that that's that whole family thing here. And, and I go, you know, the next thing is, I guess for me, the clinics, I enjoy cattle. I enjoy, we enjoy raising cattle, but you know, the clinics, oh my gosh, I'm just, I can't even like, I mean, I don't do clinics because I have to do clinics. I do clinics because I want to do clinics. You know what I mean? I mean, I have a dear passion for the, for the education part and it's something that's dear to me but it, it's the people in it that bring it all together and the thing about that is is you get long-lasting friendships out of showing and like i said same thing on the clinics you know we've had people send their kids here and then we end up being you know long-term friends you know what i mean i mean you know what's the big picture and i mean i'm doing ferris this is bob said it too i know i listen to him but i'm getting kids from the first kids on these clinics so you know yeah, that's awesome. That's a good, good turnover. So 
I mean, I love seeing that, you know what I mean? So the other thing is, is, you know, I'm thankful that I'm able to chase my dream. I'm thankful that I get to live my passion, but I'm thankful that, you know, that I get to do it with the people that I get to do it with. You know what I mean? I'm just telling you, this industry is full of great people. I mean, like, man, it's just, you know what? At the end of the day, I mean, there is such thing as like, like I said before, there's stock show family, you know, there's business family, there's church family, there's little league family. I mean, 4-H family, FFA family. At the end of the day, I think when time and need, those people step up and help people. I do. And so I'm thankful that I'm in an industry. You know, when you look at all the stuff that goes on in the world today, I'm thankful that I'm affiliated with that. That's pretty special to me. So I don't know. I mean, I could go on here. You know what I mean? I'm just saying this, but you know, those are some things there that to me, I just, yeah, you know what I mean? I'm, I, I, that's just kind of way I look at it. You know what I mean? I mean, there's been some, you know, there's been some experiences along the way, good and bad, but I think that's what helps mold who you are, you know? Very true. Well, Kirk, this has been a phenomenal experience. I appreciate your taking your time. If some people out there want to know, and obviously we're on lockdown right now, but when you get geared back up with your clinics and things like that, or they want to know more about, and you guys sell and raise exceptional cattle as well, where can the listeners find out some more information about whether it's your cattle program, your clinics, where can they find you? We invite people to contact us. And I'm talking about obviously on cattle. You know, I mean, whether, I mean, best way would be go to uh, Sterile Cattle and Clinics. You can find all our contact information there. You know, it's got all of our phone numbers. Our, our, my, my email is all is Kirk Steerwald at Yahoo. Like Kai is Kai Steerwald at Yahoo. So, and like I said, if anybody has any, needs some help, needs some direction, needs an opinion, you know what I mean? I, I just tell you what, we do a lot of that on a daily basis. And I mean, you know what, people send us videos, pictures, and, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what to do. And so, yeah, that's what we do. That's what we enjoy to do. That's what we want to do. That's what we'll continue to do. So awesome. Well, Kirk, thank you again for your time. I know the listeners appreciate it. You said before we started, you'd be willing to come back at some point in the future. And I will definitely hold you to that. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I hope I didn't ramble on here. It seemed like it went by fast. I enjoy what you do, uh, Ferris. I mean, you know, these podcasts are fun to listen to. And like I said, I not only, you know, I was like, Bob, you know, I didn't really know what we were going to cover and what it, where it was going to go and, you know, where we we're going to, what rabbit trail we were going to end up down and, and whatnot. But, <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's, it's good. And it's like, it's one of the things that I've enjoyed it. And like I said, and I, I enjoy listening to the other ones that have got on here. And, and I look forward to seeing who else gets on here because it's just pretty awesome. Well, I appreciate the kind words. And, and like I've said before, this platform doesn't occur without our guests because, yeah, I think people get tired of hearing just me yap. So I'm glad that folks like you and Bob and, and so many others have agreed to come on because that's truly what makes this experience what it is. You bet. Well, thank you for the opportunity and, and the invite. And, and like I said, uh, I appreciate everybody out there listening. And like I said, uh, look forward to seeing everybody at a show or clinic or somewhere. Hopefully our trails will cross. So thank you. Absolutely. Thanks, Kurt. 
want to say thanks again to our guest today, Mr. Kirk Steerwalt, for taking time out of his schedule to sit down and have such a wonderful conversation with us. As always, if you want to get in touch with Shootside, you can email us, shootsidepodcast at gmail.com. You could also check us out on Facebook. Give us a like there, Shootside Podcast. And we have an Instagram account now that Travis Bagley operates, which is Shootside Podcast as well. If you're liking the content that you're hearing, we'd love for you to give us a review on your favorite listening platform. We appreciate your guys' support. Anything you guys want to hear, send it our way. We want to produce content that the listeners want to listen to. So again, thanks for your support. We'll talk to you next week.